We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 731 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Monday, January 1st, 2024. It is the start of a new month. It is the start of a new year. Happy New Year. Hope that you had a nice New Year's Eve. Perhaps you're just waking up. Perhaps you're just coming home. Perhaps you're just posting bail. Hey, no judgment. This podcast is a judgment-free zone. And this week is Dallas week. (laughs) Commanders versus the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 425 in what I am calling the biggest must-lose game in Washington history. Yes, biggest must-lose game in Washington history. The Commanders, of course, lost to the San Francisco 49ers at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. 27-10 was the final. As our team lost its seventh consecutive game, fell to 4-12 and in this 2023 NFL regular season. But also on Sunday afternoon was a New Year's Eve shaka. The Arizona Cardinals, a 35-31 win at the Philadelphia Eagles. So the Cardinals for this regular season now are 4-12, and just like the New England Patriots who lost at the Buffalo Bills 27-21 on Sunday afternoon. The Commanders, Cardinals, and Pats are all tied at 4-12 and with one week left in this regular season. But right now, it is the Commanders, our Washington Commanders, who are in position for the number two overall pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. Yes, number two. Forget about number five. Forget about number four. Forget about number three. As things stand right now, the Commanders, the Manders, are in position for the number two overall pick in the 2024 Draft. The first tiebreaker is strength of schedule. The Commanders have the worst strength of schedule 
among the three teams, although the Commanders and the Pats are uh, quite close in terms of strength to schedule. There are a variety of non-Commanders results in Week 18 that we want for our team to get that number two overall pick, but the most important Week 18 result for bringing home that number two overall pick in the 2024 draft is the Commanders losing to the Cowboys. It is Operation Loseout. It is Dallas Week. Biggest must-lose game in Washington history. Chant with me. We want Dallas. We want Dallas to win. We want Dallas. We want Dallas to win. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this Monday, New Year's Day installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Did you know, by the way, that Sunday's date was 123-123? That was something. Did you realize that? 12-31-23. 123-123. Coming up on the show, in-depth reaction to and analysis of the commander's loss to the 49ers from a standpoint of what actually mattered at this point. Uh, Next segment, a breakdown and discussion of what went down at quarterback for our team in this game. Uh, Sam Howell was not supposed to be the starting quarterback, and yet he ended up being the starting quarterback. He played well in the game, and then he was really bad in the game. What now? What happened with Jacoby Brissett? All of that and a lot more next segment. I'll then get into a variety of other items from the game, including a really nice return game for running back Brian Robinson Jr. Uh, Yet another woeful game for what was a commander's defense that was missing a whole lot of play of players. Uh, And our head coach uh, for not much longer, Rod Rivera. Uh, I gotta at least mention his timeout management. Not that that really matters anymore, okay? But geez, that was something what our guy Ron did late in the first half. Also on the show, the rest of our Washington, D.C. area sports weekend. Remember, no podcast or show covers D.C. area sports like this podcast does. Never forget the mantra of this podcast. We follow Washington, D.C. area sports so that you don't have to. (laughs) We do the work for you. Uh, I will talk Capitals, who all of a sudden have a season-worst four-game losing streak, although two of the losses have been shootout losses. But Friday night, a 5-1 loss at the New York Islanders in a game at which goaltender Charlie Lindgren and defenseman Martin Fehervari suffered apparently significant upper body injuries. Saturday night, a 3-2 shootout loss to the Nashville Predators at Capital One Arena in a game at which top-line left-wing Alex Ovechkin scored a goal in the second period but then had a goal taken away with 59.5 seconds left in the third period. Uh, I will talk Wizards. Uh, They, over the weekend, actually won a game, uh, also did lose a game, but Friday night, a 110-104 win. Yes, a win for the Wizards over the Brooklyn Nets at Capital One Arena. Uh, Sunday afternoon, a 130-126 loss to the Atlanta Hawks at Capital One Arena in a game at which the Wizards set a new franchise record for three-point attempts in a regular season game with 53. Uh, I will talk college football as I will give a proper salute to Maryland for the terrific ending to the Terrapin season, a 
13 ripping of Auburn in the Music City Bowl at Nissan Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee on Saturday afternoon. And I have a Goldilocks preview and pick for number 23 Liberty versus number 8 Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona on Monday afternoon at 1. And I'll talk college basketball, specifically Virginia, Virginia Tech and James Madison, uh, a hideous Saturday afternoon for Virginia and Virginia Tech. Each team got blasted in an ACC road game. The Cavaliers lost at Notre Dame 76-54. The Hokies lost at Wake Forest 86-63. But number 20 James Madison on Saturday afternoon did not lose. Uh, the Dukes, in fact, set a new program record for consecutive wins. JMU improved a 13-0 and overall this season with an 82-65 win over Texas State at Atlantic Union Bank Center in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Lots of feedback on our commanders now being in position to get the number two overall pick in the 2024 draft and absolutely needing to lose to the Cowboys at FedEx Field in Week 18. From District Sports Talk on X, hope we see Fromm. Thank you for that. Yes, Jake Fromm. Jake from State Fromm, our QB3. I would have zero problem with him being the commander starting quarterback for this game against the Cowboys. From BioTurf on X, start Jack Fromm at quarterback. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for that. Jake Fromm would work as well. Uh, From Ash on X, hashtag start from. Thank you for that, Ash. From Danny Irishman on X, hashtag Frommageddon. Do the right thing, Ron. Thank you for that, Danny. Yes, I hope that Ron does the right thing. Just lose the game. I don't care who the quarterback is, but yes, I think Jake Fromm would help our purpose. Uh, From Al on X. I'm fine punting on first down on every possession. I agree with Ron Rivera. We need to protect Sam Howell and no better way than punting on first down every time. Thank you for that, Al. From Jake on X. We cannot win this game at all costs. Uh, Thank you for that, Jake. I agree. Uh, Email from a great sponsor of this podcast, Dr. George Verghese, who is a huge Commanders fan, writes the doctor. Sam Howell played well in the first half, but upon further review, if you took Sam and switched places with Brock Purdy, running zone blocking runs, motion, rollouts, play action, etc., I think that Kyle Shanahan would have similar results for his 49ers. The Shanahan's build offenses around the players who the Shanahan's have. Case in point, RG3 in 2012, brilliant. Eric Bieniemy tries to make Sam Howell into Patrick Mahomes, which Sam will never be. Let's hope that the next head coach and next offensive coordinator fit the system around the players, not the opposite philosophy. Second pick, go Cardinals. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for that, doctor. Well, I tell you, I would love to see Sam Howell in an offense run by a true and proven, you know, state-of-the-art offensive mind like Niners head coach and, of course, former Redskins offensive coordinator Kyle Shanahan. But I don't think that you could just put Sam on the Niners and he'd be doing what Brock Purdy is doing. Now, Sam would be better than he is right now, but I don't think that it's a given that he'd be as good as Brock Purdy. I mean, Brock Purdy for this season is a candidate 
for Associated Press NFL MVP. Now, he's almost certainly not going to win that award. Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson is uh, steamrolling toward winning AP NFL MVP. But I would not just assume that Sam would be doing what Brock is doing. Brock is really good. We saw that on Sunday afternoon. Uh, However, to Dr. Burgess's point, there's no question that the regression of Sam this season and the overall offensive results for the Commanders this season absolutely make you as a Commanders fan yearn for a high-level offensive mind who can fit his scheme to his personnel to where the personnel is maximized. Uh, We have not had that since Sean McVay's final two seasons as Skins Offensive Coordinator, 2015 and 2016. Well, Dr. George Verghese is, in many ways, the Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay of dermatologists. Uh, Dr. Verghese is a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists. He is a big Commanders fan, and operating under his direction is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, which has locations in Waldorf, Maryland, Leonardtown, Maryland, and Lexington Park, Maryland. Whatever your dermatological needs may be, call 301-396-3401 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. The Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland focuses on medical skin care, cosmetic procedures, and skin cancer diagnosis and comprehensive care. If you are dealing with allergic reactions, if you're dealing with acne, psoriasis, or eczema, if you're interested in procedures like Botox, laser hair removal, or chemical peels, if you are dealing with skin cancer or have dealt with skin cancer or want to get screened for skin cancer, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Heck, Dr. Verghese and the Institute offer free skin cancer screenings to anyone considered a new patient. And Dr. Verghese and the Institute offer advanced treatments for skin cancer. Whatever your dermatological needs may be, call 301-396-3401 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit MidAtlanticSkin.com. That's MidAtlanticSkin.com. For excellent and comprehensive skin care, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Hey, thank you to all of you who have given this podcast a five-star rating and who have written nice reviews of the podcast to on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review does not have to be long. could be just a sentence or two, but the ratings and the reviews help us out a lot. So thank you very much for doing them. So how about the last eight days for Commander's quarterback, Sam Howell? Uh, he, for this 27-10 loss, to the San Francisco 49ers at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon, on New Year's Eve afternoon, was the commander's starting quarterback. But of course, he was not supposed to be (laughs) the commander's starting quarterback. This really was something. Uh, Commander's head coach Rod Rivera, of course, had benched Sam in each of the commander's previous three games, uh, over which Sam had been awful. 
Uh, And then Ron, in a pre-practice press conference this past Wednesday morning, announced that Jacoby Brissett would be the team's starting quarterback for at least this game against the Niners. But then came the hamstring. Then came Hemigate. Jacoby, for the commander's practice this past Friday, was listed as a limited participant due to a hamstring injury. This off, not having been listed on the team's injury reports the previous two days. Uh, Jacoby was questionable for this game on Sunday afternoon. Uh, He tested the hamstring on Sunday morning, but he ended up being inactive for this game. You could always email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I got this email from Devin Bradley, writes Devin, do you think that Jacoby Brissett decided that it was smarter not to play, much like Taylor Heineke did last season in the last game against the Cowboys. Uh, Thank you for the email, Devin. Uh, Yes, the Jacoby Brissett conspiracy theory. (laughs) Uh, The conspiracy theory being that, hey, Jacoby is set to be an unrestricted free agent this coming offseason, and Jacoby represents himself in negotiations with NFL teams, and Jacoby played really well in each of the commander's previous two games, and the Niners have a really good defense, so perhaps that hamstring, perhaps the Hemi was a wise Hemi, and the Hemi thought better of Jacoby being the commander's starting quarterback for this game against the Niners. Look, I am open to this conspiracy theory. I am, but I would say this. You know, it would not be a good look for Jacoby Brissett, who has the reputation of being this great guy and great teammate, phonying up a hamstring injury or exaggerating a hamstring injury in order to not play against the Niners. Uh, Like part of Jacoby's appeal as an unrestricted free agent this coming offseason will be that he is viewed as this great presence in a team's quarterback room. If teams have to start questioning Jacoby's character, his integrity, his desire to actually play, I mean, that does lessen his value. And by the way, him being brittle to where he suffered a hamstring injury in a late December practice, not exactly the most arduous practice that an NFL team will conduct, that also is not a good look. So, Uh, Hey, I am open to the conspiracy theory, uh, but there is, I think, quite a bit working against the theory being true. And so Sam Howell was the commander starting quarterback for this game against the 49ers. He was the team starting quarterback off having just been demoted to QB2. Uh, The commander's QB2 for this game uh, was Jake Fromm, who the team on Saturday afternoon announced as having signed from the practice squad to the active roster. Uh, But Sam Howell was the commander starting quarterback for a game against a 49ers team with a ferocious defense, right? The Niners for this regular season through week 16 were number four in the NFL in total defense per DVOA. And Sam was the commander starting quarterback with the commanders missing three starting offensive linemen. 
Right tackle Andrew Wiley was inactive due to an elbow injury, and the Commanders on Saturday placed left tackle Charles Leno Jr. and center Tyler Larson on the reserve injured list. Uh, Leno due to a calf injury, Larson due to a knee injury. And so the Commanders starting offensive line on Sunday afternoon was Cornelius Lucas at left tackle, Sadiq Charles at left guard, Nick Gates at center, Samuel Cosme at right guard, and Trent Scott at right tackle. And so how did Sam Howell do on Sunday afternoon? Uh, Well, Sam, in what was his 17th career NFL regular season game and start, threw two fourth quarter interceptions and had two other near interceptions. And yet, this clearly was his best game in three games. That right there says a lot. Uh, Sam went 17 of 28 for just 169 yards, a touchdown and two interceptions. He took just one sack. He had one carry for minus one yard, which came on a busted play. He quarterbacked a commander's team that scored just 10 points and went just three of nine on third downs. Uh, Sam's game unraveled in the fourth quarter, during which he went just four of 10 for just 15 yards, no touchdowns, and two interceptions. And among his incompletions in the fourth quarter was a near interception, which was his second near interception of the game. The Sam Howell sack problem has been lessened drastically. Uh, He now has been sacked just once in each of the commander's last three games, but the Sam Howell interception problem has become a major problem. Uh, Sam, for this regular season, now has thrown 19 interceptions, most interceptions for a Washington quarterback in a regular season since Rex Grossman, sexy Rexy, uh, threw 20 interceptions in the 2011 regular season. Here was Rod Rivera during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon on Jacoby Brissett and Sam Howell. Well, Jacoby was still tight, so, uh, you know, we just had to be careful with it. And, um, you know, that, that's why we went with Sam. Sam, uh, I thought Sam had some really good moments. It really, you know, early on when, when things were balanced, you know, it was it's one of those things that, uh, you know, the situation gave him an opportunity and he performed. He really did. I thought he made some good decisions, threw some really good balls. And it's just, uh, you know, obviously there are a couple of throws I promise he would wish he had back. But, you know, he did a lot of good things. Well, I'll get to the good things in a bit, but let's look at Sam Howell's interceptions and near interceptions on Sunday afternoon. The Commander's sixth offensive drive resulted in a red zone interception by Sam. 13th snap of the drive, the second snap of the fourth quarter. On a third and eight for the Commanders at the 49ers 11, Sam, while being hit, by Ed's defender Nick Bosa on a shotgun pass attempt, got off a throw that was way off the target, receiver Terry McLaurin, and was intercepted by corner Charvarius Ward. Uh, Bosa on the play blew through right tackle Trent Scott, who had a rough game. Uh, Scott committed three penalties in this game. The commander's seventh offensive drive resulted in Sam's second interception of the fourth quarter. The second snap of the drive on a second and four for the commanders at their 31. Sam in the midst of a shrinking pocket in which his helmet got hit and twisted Threw a shotgun pass that was intended for receiver Byron Pringle, but was intercepted 
by defensive back Diamador Lenore. Uh, Sam on the commander's eighth offensive drive nearly threw an interception. Uh, the drive resulted in a fourth quarter three and out, but the third snap of the drive on a third and seven for the commanders at their five. Sam off scrambling in the end zone and while taking a quarterback hit from Nick Bosa, who also got credited with a pass defense, was nearly picked off by Diamador Lenore near the left sideline on a shotgun incompletion. That was a really dangerous throw by Sam. And Sam on the commander's first offensive drive nearly threw an interception. The drive resulted in a first quarter three and out. The fourth snap of the drive on a third and eight for the commanders at their 27. Sam threw a shotgun pass that was nearly picked off by Diamador Lenore. As Sam, uh, with a number of bodies around him, didn't seem to see that Lenore was closing in on the target of the pass receiver Curtis Samuel. That did seem to be an instance in which Sam's lack of height did in fact work against him. Uh, Sam Howell over his last six games has thrown 10 interceptions. And I'm sure that many of you know this, but quarterbacks in today's NFL do not throw interceptions like quarterbacks did in the NFL of yesteryear. And so to have 10 interceptions for an entire regular season is something. To have 10 interceptions over a six-game stretch really is something, and not a good something. Uh, Also, Sam, for this loss to the 49ers, had a yards per pass attempt that was very low once again, just 6.04, sixth consecutive game in which Sam did not have a yards per pass attempt of at least seven. Understand that a yards per pass attempt of seven really isn't that good, but Sam hasn't even had that in each of the commander's last six games. And while Sam on Sunday afternoon did take just one sack, I tell you, the sack did sure seem avoidable. Uh, Sam on the commander's fifth offensive drive took a sack. This was the opening drive of the second half. The drive resulted in a third quarter three and out. Third snap of the drive, third and one for the commanders at their 34. Sam took a sack by edge defender Cleland Farrell for a six-yard loss uh, as Sam on a shotgun sprint out play ended up running out of bounds. Uh, I mean, you could have just thrown the ball away. Uh, Now, it is worth pointing out that Fox NFL analyst and former Redskins offensive lineman Mark Slareth on the telecast of the game uh, was critical of the design of this play. So uh, Mark Slareth put that sack more on the commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy than Mark put the sack uh, on Sam Howell. The shame of this game for Sam Howell is that he, over the first three quarters, played well. Like, the entire narrative of this game regarding Sam Howell changed with that fourth quarter, but Sam, over the first three quarters, went 13 of 18 for 154 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions. Very good, especially considering the opposing defense and considering that the commanders were without three starting offensive linemen. Uh, Sam, over the first three quarters, had a yards per pass attempt of 8.56. That's excellent. Sam, on the commander's third offensive drive, went 5 of 6 for 64 yards and a touchdown. The drive happened in the second quarter. The fifth snap of that drive, a third and two for the commanders at their 40. Sam had a 42-yard shotgun bomb to Terry McLaurin on a perfect pass by Sam, who hit Terry in stride. That was a beautiful connection. And the 10th snap of the drive, third and goal at the three, Sam, a three-yard shotgun touchdown pass to Terry 
on a great back shoulder throw to the front left portion of the end zone. Uh, heck, Sam even on the commander's six offensive drive, which resulted in his interception to corner Charvarius Ward of the second snap of the fourth quarter, had a big completion. The fifth snap of that drive, a third quarter second and 20 for the commanders at their 26. Sam had a 25-yard shotgun play action completion to Curtis Samuel, who was wide open near the 50. And Sam made that completion despite taking a quarterback hit from 49ers edge defender and former commander's edge defender, Chase Young. Uh, This was Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon on where Sam Howell is at now that he has played in and started 17 NFL regular season games. You know, early on, that, that just shows he's he's got the growth going forward. Um, I believe he's a guy that can be very, very good in this league. It, it's still there's some things he still has to grow on, obviously, and um, you know we can we can be better and help him as well. That certainly is true. Uh, <laughs> here was Ron Rivera during his post game press conference on Sunday afternoon on if he still believes that Sam Howell can be a franchise quarterback. I still think he has that opportunity to be that guy. I do. I mean, when you see some of the things that he did early on and, you know, when, when things weren't as, uh, as tough as they are right now, he's shown that he has some ability. So I continue to hear and read that the commanders with whatever pick that they wind up with in the first round of the 2024 NFL draft need to not take a quarterback. Build up the offensive line is something that you hear and read a lot. Uh, Quarterbacks taken with top five picks are not guaranteed to be good. That's something that's out there a lot. Uh, Trade down. Uh, That notion is a popular one. Uh, Build up the rest of the team, then get the quarterback. Uh, That gets put out there a lot. To all of that, I say, I hear you, but no. (laughs) Okay. Here's the thing. You don't schedule when you get a franchise quarterback. You don't say, well, we'll take care of this and that and the other thing, and then we'll deal with quarterback. No, 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 no. You pounce at the opportunity whenever it presents itself to get a franchise quarterback because you don't know when the next opportunity is going to come up. It's very simple in the NFL. You either have a franchise quarterback or you do not have a franchise quarterback. And if you do not have a franchise quarterback, then you need to be doing all that you can do within reason to get a franchise quarterback. And so whoever is running commander's football operations beyond this season needs to, at the very least, be extremely open to the team taking a quarterback with its top four slash top three slash a top two pick in the 2024 draft, uh, or trading up or down with the team's top four slash top three slash a top two pick in the 2024 draft to take a quarterback. Now, obviously, you don't force anything. Like, if whoever is running commander's football operations beyond this season does not like the quarterbacks in the 2024 draft, then no, don't take one. But I have a hard time believing that whoever is running commander's football operations beyond this season is not going to like any of the quarterbacks in the 2024 draft. And the larger point is this. While there are plenty of admirable things about Sam Howell And while his struggles this season certainly are not all on him, it would be lunacy 
for the commanders to not at least be very open to taking a quarterback in the first round of the 2024 draft. Sam Howell this season has not earned some blind trust in him being the team's QB1 moving forward. He just hasn't. I want him back with the Commanders next season, but I do not want him back as the team's unquestioned QB1 moving forward. That would be ridiculous. You know, if I could undo one thing about Ron Rivera's tenure as Washington head coach, the one thing, without question to me, would be what was done with the number two overall pick in the 2020 draft. The Skins did not go quarterback when clearly, in hindsight, they should have gotten quarterback. Well, the football operations regime for the team moving forward is going to have a top four slash top three slash top two pick in the 2024 draft. The team cannot make the same mistake that was made in the 2020 draft. This actually is going to be a chance, or at least could be a chance, for a do-over. Do it right this time. Well, always doing right for clients is the great law firm of Paulson & Nace. Paulson & Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm dedicated to promoting the rights of seriously injured persons and their families. In your and your family's greatest time of need, Paulson & Nace is there for you. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Ace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. In fact, Paulson and Ace was just named as part of U.S. News and World Report's Best Law Firm's 2024 edition. Uh, and Chris Nace and Matt Nace specifically are dedicated and decorated trial attorneys. Uh, Chris Nace in May was named the 2023 Barry J. Nace Trial Lawyer of the Year, this by the D.C. Trial Lawyers Association. Chris in July was elected as the Parliamentarian of the American Association for Justice, and both Chris and Matt Nace in August were recognized by Best Lawyers in America for 2024. Why the accolades? Well, Paulson and Nace fights for you. Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who cause clients harm more than the offers benefit the clients. This is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial, and that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call 202 202- 902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. More now on the Commanders' 27-10 loss to the San Francisco 49ers at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. So the loss did clinch the Commanders finishing last in 
the NFC East this season. The commanders for this regular season are 4-12. and The New York Giants fell to 5-11 and this regular season with a 26-25 home loss to the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday afternoon. But uh, as you may know, uh, the commanders lost to the Giants twice this season. So the Giants have the tiebreaker on the commanders for the NFC East standings, the uh, first division tiebreaker is head-to-head. Ninth time over the last 16 seasons that Washington finishes last in the NFC East. I do want to give props to Commander's running back Brian Robinson Jr. He and the loss to the Niners was back. Uh, He returned from a two-game absence caused by a hamstring injury that he suffered in the 45-15 loss to the Miami Dolphins at FedEx Field on December 3rd. But Robinson on Sunday afternoon was really good when used. Uh, He only had 13 touches, but the 13 touches were comprised of nine carries for 44 yards and four receptions for 32 yards on four targets. Uh, Robinson was tremendous on the commander's second offensive drive, which resulted in kicker Joey Sly's second quarter, 40-70-yard field goal, to cut the commander's deficit to 10-3. Robinson on the drive had three carries for 18 yards and had a reception for 22 yards. Uh, The first snap of the drive, the third to last snap of the first quarter, first and 10 for the commanders at their 25. Robinson on his first touch of the game, had a 12-yard under-center handoff run. And that, in so many ways, like set the tone for the game that Robinson had. A second snap of the drive, the next-to-last snap of the first quarter on a first and 10 for the Commanders at their 37. Quarterback Sam Howell had a 22-yard under-center play-action completion to Robinson on a screen on which Robinson generated 27 yards after the catch. And Robinson on the Commanders' third offensive drive, which resulted in Sam Howell's second quarter, third and goal, three-yard shotgun touchdown pass to receiver Terry McLaurin, had three carries for 15 yards and had a 70-yard reception. Uh, We know that there are not many legitimate bright spots for the commanders this season, but one of them most definitely is Brian Robinson. Uh, He has had a breakout season with what he has done as a pass catcher, and I certainly could see whoever is running commanders football operations beyond this season having a running back mix for next season featuring Robinson Chris Rodriguez Jr. and, say, a speedback who's taken on day two or day three of the 2024 NFL Draft. Uh, Running back Antonio Gibson is set to be an unrestricted free agent this coming offseason. Gibson, in this loss to the Niners, four carries for 19 yards and two receptions for 17 yards on four targets, although he also had a drop. Uh, Gibson on the commander's sixth offensive drive, which resulted in Sam Howell's interception to corner Charvarius Ward on the second snap of the fourth quarter, had a big reception, a big run, uh, but also that drop. Uh, the sixth snap of the drive on a third quarter, first and 10 for the commanders at the 49ers, 49. Sam had a 15-yard shotgun completion to Gibson on a screen on which Gibson ran through an attempted tackle by defensive back Diamador Lenore and generating 22 yards after the catch. Terrific play by Antonio Gibson. The seventh snap of the drive on a third quarter, first and 10 for the commanders at the 49ers 34. Gibson had a 16-yard shotgun handoff run. But the 12th snap of the drive, uh, what was the first snap of the fourth quarter, what was the play right before the interception on a second and eight for the commanders at the 49ers 11. Gibson had a drop 
on a shotgun screen pass by Sam Howell. Uh, the commander's defense. So it for this game was depleted big time. Uh, corner Kendall Fuller was inactive due to a knee injury. Corner Benjamin St. Juice was inactive due to a concussion that he suffered in the 30-28 loss at the New York Jets on Christmas Eve afternoon. Safety Percy Butler was on the reserve injured list on which he was placed this past Saturday due to a wrist injury and still on the reserve injured list. It's easy to forget this, <laughs> you know, but uh, linebacker Jamin Davis, safeties Derek Forrest and Jeremy Reeves, uh, edge defender F.A. Obata. Additionally, uh, corner Tariq Castro-Fields in the first half left the game due to a shoulder injury, and corner Christian Holmes in a frightening scene in the fourth quarter collapsed in the commander's end zone after a play. After an exchange with 49ers left tackle and former Redskins left tackle Trent Williams, in fact, uh, it was later announced that Holmes had been ruled out for the game due to a concussion. So the commander's defense was missing a lot of players. We should acknowledge that. But of course, <laughs> these players have all been part of a defense that has been wretched this season. Uh, this game was the fourth game for the Commanders with head coach Rod Rivera as defensive coordinator off the firing of defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio the day after Thanksgiving. And the defense was really bad yet again. I have said that I don't care all that much anymore about the Commanders defense this season, and I don't. So I'm not going to spend much time on the defense. But it is worth noting that firing Jack Del Rio really hasn't changed anything. Uh, the defense remains really bad. Uh, the commanders for this regular season, their week 16 ranked dead last in the NFL in both total defense and pass defense per DVOA. The 49ers for this regular season, their week 16 ranked number one in the NFL in both total offense and passing offense per DVOA. And what we got in this game was what we expected. Uh, the commanders allowed the Niners to average exactly six yards per play. That is a high yards per play. Uh, the Commanders allowed the Niners to score on five of their first six offensive drives. Uh, the Commanders generated no takeaways, so the team now has just 17 takeaways in 16 games this regular season. The Commanders got carved up by 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy. Uh, he went 22 of 28 for 230 yards, two touchdowns and no interceptions and took no sacks. He had a yards per pass attempt of 8.21 and a completion percentage of 78.57. How about the commanders completely losing <laughs> receiver Brandon Ayuk on Purdy's fourth quarter, third and nine, 17 yard off schedule shotgun touchdown pass to Ayuk, who ended up being wide open in the end zone. Uh, and the commanders were terrible against the run. They allowed 49ers running backs, Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell and Niners receiver Debo Samuel to combine for 34 carries for 179 yards and a touchdown. That works out to a yards per carry of 5.26. And McCaffrey in this game dealt with a calf injury. So the commander's defense caught a break in McCaffrey dealing with injury and yet still got run on big time. And then one more thing with this loss to the Niners. Uh, I almost feel silly for bringing this up because like it doesn't matter anymore, okay? But Ron Rivera's timeout management. Uh, I did not want the commanders to win this game, but Ron Rivera presumably did want to win this game. And his timeout usage late in the first half <laughs> was shameful. 
The 49ers' fourth offensive drive resulted in kicker Jake Moody's 22-yard field goal for a 13-10 lead with 19 seconds left in the second quarter. But we, during the drive, had Ron not call the commander's first of three first-half timeouts until there were 35 seconds left in the second quarter. The 49ers, from the first-half two-minute warning until there were 40 seconds left in the second quarter, ran just two offensive plays, which resulted in a completed pass and a run. Ron did not call a timeout after either play. Despite first half timeouts being, you know, only for the first half, like you can't carry them over (laughs) to the second half. And then we had this, the commander's final offensive drive of the first half consisting of one play, a first and 10 shotgun handoff run by Antonio Gibson for a one yard loss on a total give up play call. So Ron clearly tapped out on the first half, not the first time that we've seen something like that, but I can't tell you how much that I hate that as a general philosophy. The commanders were getting the ball to begin the second half. Instead of trying to do what good offenses can do, pull off the double whammy, scoring toward the end of the first half and then scoring on the first possession of the second half, Ron tapped out on the first half. And then he did something that he has done a lot and that I'll never understand. In tapping out on the first half, Ron had the commanders run an actual play, thus risking injury. If you're going to tap out on the half, then why not just have your quarterback? Why not just have Sam Howell take a knee and avoid the risk of injury for your players? Uh, But instead, Ron ran this shotgun handoff run to Antonio Gibson. I don't get running an actual play at all. And then the kicker (laughs) to all of this was Ron Rivera with less than two minutes left in the fourth quarter and the commanders trailing 27-10. So the game is done. Calling two timeouts (laughs) to save time for another drive. At that point, Ron wanted to use his timeouts. Cuckoo! Cuckoo! Yeah, make it make sense. Uh, Well, the exact opposite of Ron Rivera's timeout management is the work that is done by Nova Fireplace and Stove. If you are in need of fireplace stove or chimney work and you live in Northern Virginia, get with Nova Fireplace and Stove. Nova Fireplace and Stove is outstanding. It handles gas fireplace sales service and installation, handles gas, electric, and wood stoves, and handles chimney cleaning and repair. If you live in Northern Virginia, stay warm and upgrade the feel and value of your home with Nova Fireplace and Stove. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571-513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and receive $1,000 off select in-stock gas inserts and $1,000 off select in-stock wood inserts. Offer good while supplies last, but this is a tremendous deal. Nova Fireplace and Stove, it has been around for more than 20 years. It is run by big commanders fans, my guys Daniel and Stewart, and it has outstanding professionals. Uh, whatever the work that you need done requires, Nova Fireplace and Stove has. Master Gas Fitter, master electrician, class A contractor, licensed chimney inspector. And because of this, Nova Fireplace and Stove can complete your project without the need for any subcontractors. And Nova Fireplace and Stove can pull all of the necessary county permits for the work 
that is being done. Additionally, Nova Fireplace and Stove can perform fireplace and chimney safety inspections. See for yourself the work that Nova Fireplace and Stove can do. It has a showroom in Woodbridge, Virginia, and has a terrific website, Nova Fireplace and Stove. And take advantage of this great deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571-513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and receive $1,000 off select in-stock gas inserts and $1,000 off select in-stock wood inserts. Join the Nova Fireplace and Stove family and experience the fireplace service and care that you deserve. Call 571-513-3803. That's 571-513-3803. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Well, the Capitals now have lost four consecutive games. Uh, This is the Caps' longest losing streak of this NHL regular season, although two of the losses have been shootout losses. But Friday night, a 5-1 loss at the New York Islanders. Uh, This off a 5-1 loss at the New York Rangers this past Wednesday night. And then Saturday night, a 3-2 shootout loss to the Nashville Predators at Capital One Arena as the Caps fell to 17-11-6 in this NHL regular season. And we, in this game, had controversy, and the controversy involved the great eight. Uh, Top-line left-wing Alex Ovechkin. Boy, did he on Saturday night have an eventful game. Ovechkin uh, scored a goal. He had an even-strength goal, 14-59, into the second period on a one-timer from his office, the left circle, to tie the game at two. Uh, This was his seventh goal of this NHL regular season. Ovechkin had a team-high nine total shot attempts. Ovechkin had a team-high tying three hits. Uh, Now, Ovechkin did commit a costly penalty, a first-period cross-checking penalty, which led to the Predators' uh, power play goal as the Caps win just a 1-2 on the penalty kill. Uh, And Ovechkin, with 59.5 seconds left in the third period, was denied what could have been the game-winning goal. Uh, He scored this apparent goal on a wrister from just beyond the top of the right circle. But the NHL's hockey operations in Toronto in the final minute of a third period and at any point in overtime can, quote, initiate the review of any scenario that would otherwise be subject to a coach's challenge, end quote. And hockey operations alerted the game officials that the Caps fourth line center, Nick Dowd, was perhaps guilty of goaltender interference. And sure enough, Dowd got called for goaltender interference disallowing the goal. What was deemed to have happened uh, was that Nick Dowd brushed against the Predators goaltender Yaroslav Askarov at the top of the crease in what otherwise looked like just a great screen by Dowd. I mean, how you differentiate between that being goaltender interference by Dowd versus that just being a great screen by Dowd is really tricky, but uh, goaltender interference is what was called. What's funny is that the disallowed goal happened with 59.5 seconds left in the third period. Had the goal been scored a mere second sooner, hockey operations would not have been able to assert its authority in this situation. The decision would have fallen on the Predators head coach, Andrew Burnett, and who knows if he would have challenged 
the goal. Uh, this was Caps head coach Spencer Carberry during his post-game press conference on Saturday night on the disallowed goal. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Caps insider Mike Vogel of WashingtonCaps.com. Uh, would have liked that to have counted. Thought um, my opinion on it I, I would have from going through tons of reviews and doing a study on it or a project on it uh, I just my personal take is there's not enough there to, to overturn especially the overturn because that's where it um, if it's ruling that that's where it gets tricky is when it's called a goal on the ice it needs to be very very evident to overturn that's the way that it's been described um, to us from the league and so in that situation given that is there enough there that's it, it, it's tight so I, I i would have for me that uh that goal should stand but that's uh the situation room how much do you think you guys are victimized by the timing of that? Because if it happens a second earlier, it's not in the final minute. They don't have the jurisdiction over the review. And he's got to decide whether he wants to take a chance of going down five on three. It's a great point. And we just looked at it. So the puck actually goes in at 59 point whatever, call it 59.3 under, or excuse me, flip that. It goes in at 10. Point eight or something. So if it stops technically when the puck goes in the net, if the, if the score, then they then they can't review it in Toronto unless it gets challenged. And to your point, now you've got a choice to make of um, do you try to go six on five or do you risk challenge it? And, and now um, you know it's tough to come back from. He'd be in a real tough spot if he challenged it and failed it, right? Yeah, bad break for our Caps. Uh, by the way, Alex Ovechkin in a 5-1 loss at the Islanders on Friday night had no points and just one shot on goal, although he did have a team-high tying four total shot attempts and did have a game-high tying three hits. The other major item from the Caps from their weekend is two major injuries. Uh, both goaltender Charlie Lindgren and defenseman Martin Fehervari uh, suffered upper body injuries in that 5-1 loss at the Islanders on Friday night. In fact, each guy left the game during the same stoppage in the first period and said Spencer Carberry during his post-game session with reporters on Friday night uh, of the Lindgren and Fehervari injuries, quote, both will be out at least for the foreseeable future, end quote. <laughs> Not good. Uh, Lindgren on Friday night was the cap starting goaltender for the 11th time in 20 games since Darcy Kemper returned from injury. Lindgren stopped all three of the shots on goal that he faced, but then left the game in the first period due to the upper body injury. Kemper came into the game and once again, was not good. Uh, he stopped just 24 of the 29 shots on goal that he faced, and it's not like he got bombarded with a bunch of power play goals. The Caps in this game went 3-3 three three on the penalty kill. All five of the goals that Kemper allowed were even strength goals. Uh, the Caps on Saturday afternoon recalled goaltender Hunter Shepard from their AHL affiliate, the Hershey Bears. Uh, he was the cap starting goaltender for the 3-2 shootout loss to the Predators on Saturday night. And Shepard was great. He stopped 
34 of the 36 shots on goal that he faced, including all 25 of the shots on goal that he faced over the second and third periods and overtime. A shepherd per natural stat trick stopped 10 of the 11 high danger shots on goal that he faced, stopped 8 of the 9 medium danger shots on goal that he faced, and stopped all 16 of the low danger shots on goal that he faced. And Shepard, deep into the second period with the game tied at two, made a spectacular save, a sprawling save on a wrist shot by Predators center Tommy Novak right in front of the crease. This was some save by Hunter Shepard. Here was the call from John Walton and Ken Sambrin on the Capitals radio network. Here comes Forsberg on a cross, and oh, what a glove save by Shepard! Robbing on the backside on a feed that Forsberg sent across, and somehow the glove came up enough to be able to get the save made. My goodness! Wow. What a play on Phil, on Tommy Novak. He'd gone to the right post, falling forward, and Shepard able to make the save of the night for sure right there. Yeah, what a save right there by Hunter Shepard. You know, if Charlie Lindgren is going to be out for a while, you have to wonder if we're going to get the near-even split between Hunter Shepard and Darcy Kemper that we were getting between Lindgren and Kemper. I mean, Kemper just cannot be trusted right now. He's not playing well. Uh, Also, Spencer Carberry in a 3-2 shootout loss to the Predators on Saturday night, very interestingly, had Evgeny Kuznetsov as the Caps' top-line right wing. Carberry had Kuzi as a winger, not as a center. I mean, Evgeny Kuznetsov has been a center, right? He's been a center on some line for the Caps. Not necessarily the top line, but on some line for the Caps. Well, no. Uh, Kuzi on Saturday night was a winger. He was the top line right wing with Alex Ovechkin as the top line left wing and Dylan Strom as the top line center. Here was Carberry during his postgame press conference on Saturday night on why he had Evgeny Kuznetsov as the top line right wing. Yeah, uh, just trying to find something offensively five-on-five for O, Strom, him. So getting him with some better players, or I shouldn't say better players, but more offensive-minded players and and seeing if it worked. Do do I think it worked tonight? Did I think that line was great? I thought they were okay. They, They ended a lot of shifts in the defensive zone. Is it ideal? Will he stay there? Probably not. Um, I thought it was a tough night for Stromer overall, so that probably plays into into um, the effect that it has on on O and and Kuz. But yeah, we're just we're looking for different ways to get Kuz potentially with you know some more offensive minded players to to unlock something there five on five scoring wise. All right. Three other observations from the Caps weekend. Uh, The corresponding roster move to the Caps recalling Hunter Shepard from Hershey on Saturday afternoon was them loaning winger Ivan Morozhnichenko, who the Caps took with the number 20 overall pick in the 2022 NHL draft to Hershey. Uh, So Morozhnichenko's initial regular season stint at the NHL level did not go so well. Uh, also, bad weekend for the Caps power play. They, over the two games, went a combined 0-5 on the power play. And the Caps do have a new defenseman 
Uh, they on Thursday afternoon announced the signing of unrestricted free agent Ethan Bear to a two-year $4.125 million contract. Uh, Bear is coming off a shoulder injury that he suffered while playing for Canada in the International Ice Hockey Federation World Championship this past May. Uh, Bear was part of the Caps' second defense pair for the 3-2 shootout loss to the Predators on Saturday night. The Caps need Bear uh, with Martin Fehervari, uh now out due to that upper body injury. Uh, next up for the Caps, back-to-back games at the Pittsburgh Penguins Tuesday night at 7.30 and then home to the New Jersey Devils Wednesday night at 7.30. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Well, two games for the Wizards, our tanking Wizards, over the weekend. Uh, We had one win and one loss. Friday night, a 110-104 win over the Brooklyn Nets at Capital One Arena. In a game in which the Wizards overcame a nine-point third-quarter deficit, the Wizards in the third quarter trailed 82-73. They then went on a 37-20 run for an eight-point lead at 110-102 deep into the fourth quarter. Uh, Then Sunday afternoon, a 130-126 loss to the Atlanta Hawks at Capital One Arena in a game in which we had history. Uh, The Wizards set a new franchise record for three-point attempts in a regular season game with 53. Uh, Now, (laughs) the Wizards went just 17 of 53 on threes. The Hawks went 12 of 32 on threes. Uh, Also, the Wizards in this game blew a 13-point first quarter lead. They trailed for the entire second half, but did cut a 15-point fourth quarter deficit to three in the final minute of the fourth quarter. The Wizards actually ended the game on a 21-10 run. So the Wizards in this NBA regular season now are 6-26. and uh, Very notable what we had with Jordan Poole over the weekend. So Poole is not having a good season. We have talked about that. But his playing time is starting to reflect him 
not having a good season. The win over the Nets on Friday night, the Wizards won despite Jordan Poole in 24 minutes, 41 seconds as a starter, going just one of four on three, scoring just five points, and having a team worst plus minus rating of minus 16. Now, in fairness to Poole, he did have five assists versus one turnover, but Poole did not play at all in a fourth quarter that the Wizards won 26-18. Then the loss to the Hawks on Sunday afternoon, Poole in 28 minutes, 44 seconds as a starter, went just one of seven on threes. He did go five of seven on twos. He did finish with 13 points, six assists versus no turnovers and three rebounds. But Poole in a fourth quarter that the Wizards won 39-30, played for just three minutes, 22 seconds. The most telling thing about what an NBA head coach thinks of one of the coach's players is playing time, especially playing times in the fourth quarters of close games. What we had with Wizards head coach Wes Unsell Jr. regarding Jordan Poole over the weekend, uh, I thought, said a lot. Uh, Now, on the flip side, very good weekends for Kyle Kuzma and Denny Avdia. Uh, Kuzma played well of having been dealing with right knee soreness. So the win over the Nets on Friday night, Kuzma in 30 minutes, 59 seconds as a starter, went 4-10 on threes and 7-12 on twos and finished with 26 points, eight rebounds and two assists versus two turnovers. He in the fourth quarter that the Wizards won 26-18, had nine points and three rebounds and the loss to the Hawks on Sunday afternoon, Kuzma in 33 minutes, 33 seconds as a starter, went seven of 18 on threes, eight of 13 on twos, one of one on free throws. He finished with 38 points, eight rebounds and five assists versus two turnovers. Uh, Denny Avdia, the win over the Nets on Friday night. Avdia had one of his best games of this season. 33 minutes, 51 seconds as a starter. Three of five on threes. He finished with 21 points, 13 rebounds, six assists versus one turnover, and a plus-minus rating of plus 13. He did go just... 6 of 13 on twos and 0 of 4 on free throws. But Avdia in the loss to the Hawks on Sunday afternoon, 31 minutes, 12 seconds as a starter, 2 of 6 on threes, 3 of 3 on twos, 5 of 8 on free throws. He finished with 17 points, 12 rebounds, 2 assists versus 3 turnovers, and a team best plus minus rating of plus 14. Uh, the Wizards took Denny Avdia with the number 9 overall pick in the 2020 NBA draft. The guys who the Wizards got by the first rounds of the 2021 and 2023 NBA drafts did well in that win over the Nets on Friday night as well. Uh, Corey Kispert, who the Wizards took with the number 15 overall pick in the 2021 NBA draft, he on Friday night in just 17 minutes, one second off the bench, scored 15 points, had a plus minus rating of plus 15. He went three of seven on threes and three of three on twos. And Bilal Koulibaly, who the Wizards got via trade on 2023 NBA draft night. So he on Friday night did not have great stats for the game, but he was entrusted by Wes Unsell Jr. to guard arguably the Nets best player, Mikkel Bridges, for a good chunk of the second half. Uh, Bridges for the game went two of six on threes and four of eight on twos, scored 
19 points. He certainly was not shut down, but just the fact that Wes had the confidence in Koulibaly, a rookie in his age 19 season to guard Bridges, was very telling and very encouraging. Uh, Corey Kispert and Bilal Koulibaly were part of a very good game for the Wizards bench on Friday night. Mike Muscala, yeah, him, (laughs) Uh, he on Friday night was quite good. Uh, 31 minutes, 9 seconds as a reserve, 3 of 7 on threes, 1 of 2 on twos. Muscala finished with 11 points, 3 assists versus no turnovers, 3 rebounds, 2 blocks, and a game-best plus-minus rating of plus 21. And going back to that concept of playing time, Muscala on Friday night played for the entirety of that fourth quarter that the Wizards won 26-18. Mike Muscala, uh, the Wizards got him this past June in the three-team trade with the Boston Celtics and Memphis Grizzlies, in which the Wizards dealt Chris Dabbs Porzingis to the Celtics. Uh, two problems for the Wizards in their games over the weekend were lack of free throw attempts and lack of offensive rebounds. Uh, the win over the Nets on Friday night, the Wizards won despite having just seven free throw attempts to the Nets 27, and the Wizards went just 3-7 on their free throws, although the Nets went just 17-27 on their free throws. Also, the Wizards won despite having just eight offensive rebounds to the Nets 18, and thus just four second-chance points to the Nets 26. Uh, And then the loss to the Hawks on Sunday afternoon, the Wizards had just 21 free throw attempts to the Hawks 37, although the Wizards went 17-21 on their free throws. The Hawks went just 24-37 on their free throws. Uh, And also the Wizards got out-rebounded big time by the Hawks 58-42. The Wizards had just six offensive rebounds to the Hawks 12, and thus just seven second-chance points to the Hawks 20. The Hawks have one of the best rebounders in the NBA, 6'10", Hawks center Clint Capella. He on Sunday afternoon, 32 minutes, 53 seconds as a starter, 17 rebounds, including seven offensive boards. Also 6'8", Jalen Johnson. He in 36 minutes, 36 seconds as a starter, had 13 rebounds. Uh, The Hawks are a very good rebounding team. The Wizards are a very bad rebounding team, in part due to lack of size. And while the Wizards' defense in the win over the Nets on Friday night was good, the Wizards in this loss to the Hawks on Sunday afternoon got ripped by three Hawks starters in particular. Trey Young, DeJounte Murray and Jalen Johnson. They combined for 96 of the Hawks' 130 points and went a combined 9 of 18 on threes. Trey Young, one of the best point guards in the NBA. He on Sunday afternoon, 39 minutes, 46 seconds as a starter. 4 of 8 on threes, 7 of 11 on twos, 14 of 19 on free throws. You talk about getting to the line. Uh, He finished with 40 points, 13 assists, versus five turnovers, three steals, and three rebounds. Uh, No Danilo Gallinari for the Wizards over the weekend. He did not play in both games due to lower back spasms. Next up for the Wizards at the Cleveland Cavaliers, Wednesday night at 7. We move now to college football, and what a 2023 season that Maryland ended up having. Uh, It began the season 5-0, what was the Terrapins' first 5-0 start to a season since 2001, and Maryland, in this 5-0 start, scored at least 30 points in each game. First time in program history 
that the Terps scored at least 30 points in each of the team's first five games of a season. Then came the Terps losing five of six games, and among those losses were some really bad losses. We had a 27-24 homecoming loss to Illinois on October 14th at a game for which Maryland was a 13-and-a-half point favorite per multiple shops. We had a 33-27 loss at Northwestern on October 28th at a game for which Maryland was a 14-and-a-half point favorite per multiple shops. But then came the Terps concluding their regular season with a 42-24 win at Rutgers on November 25th. And now we have how the Terps season ended. A 31-13 win over Auburn in the Music City Bowl at Nissan Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee on Saturday afternoon. So Maryland in this 2023 season went 8-5. All things considered, not bad. And how about this? The Terps win over Auburn gives the Terps a bowl win in each of three consecutive seasons for the first time in program history. Also, the Terps win over Auburn gives the Terps at least eight wins in each of two consecutive seasons for the first time since the program had at least 10 wins in each of three consecutive seasons uh, from the 2001 through 2003 seasons, which were Ralph Regan's first three seasons as Terps head coach. Additionally, the Terps in their 2023 season advanced to a bowl game for a third consecutive season, marking the first time since the 2006 through 2008 seasons that Maryland made a bowl game in each of three consecutive seasons. And the Terps in their 2023 season won at least seven games for a third consecutive season, marking the first time since the 2001 through 2003 seasons that Maryland won at least seven games in each of three consecutive seasons. Uh, Things with Mike Loxley as Terps head coach have not always felt great and remaining a big time point of frustration is the Terps being 0-34 against ranked Big Ten teams since joining the conference beginning with the 2014 season. And the Terps with Loxley as head coach are 0-15 in games against ranked Big Ten teams, and that does not include him going 0-2 against ranked Big Ten teams as Terps interim head coach in 2015. But Mike Loxley deserves credit for having the program in a place that the program has not been in a really long time. Uh, Now, Auburn for this game was without multiple key defensive players. The Tigers were without starting cornerbacks DJ James and Nehemiah Pritchett and starting interior defensive lineman Marcus Harris as they all opted out of the game to prepare for the NFL draft. Uh, Also, a key receiver for Auburn, Javarius Johnson, did not play in the game due to entering the NCAA transfer portal. However, the Terps for this game were without their starting quarterback, Talia Tungavailoa, due to him preparing for the 2024 draft, uh, and were without tight ends Corey Dijas and Rico Walker and running back Antoine Littleton II, due to them being in the NCAA transfer portal. And yet, the Terps led at the end of the first quarter 21-0. Mike Loxley started 6-4 redshirt sophomore Billy Edwards Jr. at quarterback, but also played 6-2 redshirt freshman quarterback Cameron Edge, who was rated as a four-star prospect by ESPN and 24-7 Sports. Uh, Edwards completed just six of his 20 pass attempts, but he threw for 126 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions, took just one sack, and had 12 carries for 50-70 yards and a touchdown when you take out the sack that he took. Uh, Edge went 4-6 for 82 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. 
and took two sacks. The Terps were not great offensively, but they were good enough offensively. And their defense was dominant. The Terps held Auburn to just 13 points, just 3.9 yards per play, and just four of 17 on third downs. And the Terps held Auburn quarterback and Michigan State transfer Peyton Thorne to just 13 of 27 passing for just 84 yards, a touchdown, and an interception, and sacked him three times. Thorne had a yards per pass attempt of just 3.11. The Terps humbled Peyton Thorne. Going to be very interesting to see who the Terps QB1 for next season is. Could be MJ Morris, who just transferred to Maryland from NC State. Could be Cameron Edge. Could be Billy Edwards Jr. But a salute to Mike Loxley and the Terps for an overall good season. So Maryland was excellent in its bowl game. And now we'll see how Liberty does in its bowl game. The Flames in a New Year's Six bowl game. And so let's do a Goldilocks preview and pick number 23 Liberty versus number eight Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona on Monday at one. The Flames per Crab Sports plus 16 and a half. And by the way, serving as the analyst for the ESPN telecast of this game will be former Redskins quarterback Robert Griffin III. Uh, Liberty for this season is 13-0 overall, including 8-0 in Conference USA. The Flames won the Conference USA Championship game, a 49-35 win over New Mexico State at Williams Stadium in Lynchburg, Virginia on December 1st. Uh, Liberty's head coach is Jamie Chadwell. The Oregon Ducks for this season are 11-2 overall, including 8-1 in the Pac-12. Their head coach is Dan Lanning. Now, the two teams for this game actually are fairly intact. Not a ton of guys from either team not playing in the game due to entering the 2024 NFL Draft or entering the NCAA Transfer Portal. Uh, Liberty has lost a key defensive back in Preston Hodge. Uh, he entered the portal and transferred to Colorado. But Oregon has lost two key corners. Kyrie Jackson has opted out of the game to prepare for the 2024 Draft. And TriQuest Bridges entered the portal and transferred to Florida. So what already figured to be a high-scoring game now projects to be even more high-scoring. I mean, this game features two of the top six quarterbacks in the FBS and ESPN's total QBR for this season. Liberty's Caden Salter for this season is number six among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS in total QBR at 85.8, and Oregon's Bo Nix is number two at 90.8. QBR is on a scale of 0 to 100. Uh, Now, Liberty's defense is not great to begin with. The concern, if you're a Flames fan, is can they stop Oregon? But, you know, 16 and a half is a big number, especially for a high-octane offense like that of Liberty. And so, (laughs) give me Liberty or give me death. No, just give me Liberty plus 16 and a half. All right. Thank you, Snoop Dogg. And let's talk some college basketball before we call it a show. A brutal Saturday afternoon for Virginia and Virginia Tech as each team got blown out in an ACC road game. Uh, Virginia for this season fell to 10-3 and overall and 1-1 one and one in the ACC with a 76-54 loss at Notre Dame on Saturday afternoon. A 
Very disturbing loss for the Cavaliers. They never held the lead in the game. They, with less than two minutes left in the second half, trailed by 28 points at 76-48. And understand, this was against a Notre Dame team that came into the game just 5-7 and seven on the season. This is not some great Notre Dame team against which the Cavs got shredded. Uh, the Cavs shooting was horrendous. They went just 2 of 11 on threes, just 19 of 44 on twos, and just 10 of 18 on free throws. A rough game for the Cavs' best player, 6-3 Reese Beekman. He in 33 minutes, 35 seconds as a starter, went 0 of 4 on threes, just 5 of 11 on twos, and just 5 of 8 on free throws. He committed five turnovers. He had a plus-minus rating of minus 20. Uh, Beekman finished with 15 points, four assists, and three rebounds. But what stuck out maybe as much as anything was how bad the Wahoos defense in the first half was. Uh, The Hoos, who of course are known for their defense, got torn apart in the first half. Uh, The Hoos in the first half that they lost 41-24 allowed Notre Dame to go 7 of 10 on threes and 9 of 13 on twos. Here was Hoos head coach Tony Bennett during his post-game press conference on Saturday afternoon on his team's defense. Our ball pressure wasn't great. Our ability to keep the ball in front, um, just a lot of breakdowns. And Notre Dame did a good job, obviously hit some tough shots, uh, shot it well. Um, but they had us in rotations, and, and we just had a hard time. You know, ball screen defense, you can point at everything, but, you know, you, to stay connected to a team that gets hot at home, um, you have to at least make them earn. And, okay, a few of them they did, but then all of a sudden when there are those disconnections or the breakdowns that allow to an easy layup or a, a forgetful play or a gamble um, and the game gets separated, we're not um, – we don't have enough offensive firepower to, to just say, all right, we can kind of exchange possessions and we'll get it going and score in a flurry. Um, even and I thought we got pretty good looks early, and you know that puts it does put pressure on your defense when you're missing either some clean looks or bunnies, uh, and then you know you got to get stops. But that's just the way it is. Whether you like it or not, you're going to have to be um, harder to score against than we are, or this will continually happen to us. Yes, it will. You know, UVA this season has had some nice wins, but UVA this season already has had three losses each by at least 22 points, a 65-41 loss to Wisconsin and Fort Myers, Florida on November 20th in the 2023 Fort Myers tip-off. UVA was number 24 in the Associated Press Top 25 poll at the time, a 77-54 loss at then number 23 Memphis on December 19th. UVA was number 22 in the AP Top 25 poll at the time. And now this 76-54 loss at Notre Dame on Saturday afternoon. Next up for Virginia, home to Louisville, Wednesday night at 7. Meantime, Virginia Tech it for this season fell to 9-4 and four overall and 1-1 one and one in the ACC with an 86-63 loss at Wake Forest on Saturday afternoon. Uh, the Hokies, like Virginia, and its loss at Notre Dame never held a lead in this loss at Wake Forest. Uh, the three big problems for Tech in this game were Tech's shooting in the first half, offensive rebounding, and turnovers. So the Hokies in the first half that they lost 44-24, went 0-5 on threes, and just 9-19 on twos. And Tech for the game had just four offensive rebounds to Wake Forest 11, and get this, zero second chance points to Wake's 18. Big problem. Uh, The Hokies for this season are just 13th 
out of 15 ACC teams in offensive rebounding percentage. Virginia, by the way, is last. Uh, and Tech in this loss at Wake Forest committed 19 turnovers to Wake 7 and scored just 7 points off turnovers to Wake's 23. Wake Forest was the more physical team. Wake Forest was the more disruptive team. Wake has a really good player in 6-5 Gonzaga transfer, Hunter Salas. He on Saturday afternoon in 34 minutes as a starter went 2-6 of six on 3, 6-8 of eight on 2s, and 2-4 of four on free throws and finished with 20 points, 9 rebounds, including 4 offensive boards and 2 blocks. So Salas by himself had as many offensive rebounds as the entire Virginia Tech team had. Uh, we during Hokies head coach Mike Young's postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon had the following exchange. In the second half, you guys kind of went toe-to-toe with them. That's what the, well, the scoreline was. don't be misled. All right, when you get your ass beat by 20 in the first, uh, no consolation prizes for playing better basketball. Pardon me, young lady. No consolation prizes for, uh, you know, going toe-to-toe with uh, with anybody in the second half. Yeah, <laughs> that about sums it up. Uh, next up for Virginia Tech at Florida State this Saturday afternoon at 4. But whereas Virginia and Virginia Tech got smashed in road games on Saturday afternoon, number 20 James Madison on Saturday afternoon continued to roll. Uh, the Dukes for this season improved to 13-0 and overall and 1-0 and in the Sunbelt Conference, an 82-65 win over Texas State at Atlantic Union Bank Center in Harrisonburg, Virginia on Saturday afternoon. The win continued the best start to a season in JMU men's basketball history, and the 13 consecutive wins are a new program record for longest winning streak. Uh, James Madison led for nearly the entire game, led by 27 points at 72-45 in the second half. Great game for 6'9 Boston College transfer T.J. Bickerstaff, the grandson of former Bullet slash Wizards head coach Bernie Bickerstaff. Uh, T.J. Bickerstaff, in just 24 minutes as a starter, had 21 points, 10 rebounds, including three offensive boards, five assists versus no turnovers, and two steals. Uh, He went 9 of 11 from the field. All twos and three of five on free throws. The Dukes are rolling, but you know, they still are not getting much respect from KenPalm.com, which as of games through Saturday had JMU as just the 62nd best team in Division I per adjusted efficiency margin. Uh, Next up for James Madison at Louisiana, Thursday night at 8. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. No show for Tuesday, but there will be a show for Wednesday. What will be episode 732, and it will have plenty for you on the commanders off them in this 2023 NFL regular season, falling to 4-12 and 12 with the 27-10 loss to the San Francisco 49ers at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. The commanders, our team, on the doorstep <laughs> of the number two overall pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. Also on Wednesday's show, I'll talk Capitals, Maryland basketball, Georgetown basketball, and Liberty football. The Caps are at the Pittsburgh Penguins Tuesday night at 7.30. The Terrapins are home to number one Purdue Tuesday night at 7. The Hoyas are home to number 22 Creighton Tuesday night at 7. And we on New Year's Day 
have Liberty's Bowl game, number 23 Liberty versus number 8 Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona on Monday, New Year's Day at 1 p.m. Happy New Year, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.